You know, Brad, today's movie is enough to bring a viscous, unmoving tear to my eye. I don't know who it wouldn't do that for. Uh, we watched Crybaby. I don't want to see an ordinary film. I want to see something extraordinary. Your sacrifice completes my sanctuary of 1,000 testicles. You ever feel as if your mind had started to erode? What? Let's rock indeed. Welcome everybody to 1,000 Lives of Weird, a podcast that is a celebration of everything weird, mostly movies. I'm Brad Hefner, and with me, as always, is... Billy Martell. And today we are talking about a movie that I watched recently that I love from a director that I'm a huge fan of. We are talking about John Waters' Crybaby. I think I'm also a fan, a, a huge John Waters fan now, even though I've only seen two of his movies. And his most successful mainstream movies yeah his two most successful mainstream movies this movie crybaby is the only film that he ever had a bidding war on yes. after the success of hairspray studios for the first and only time in john waters life really wanted to make the next john waters movie yes so uh good good for john waters <laughs> and they delivered crybaby and they delivered crybaby um a absolutely bizarre, wonderful movie. <laughs> 100%. If you're not familiar with John Waters, John Waters is one of the most famous midnight movie makers, one of the most famous mm. names in cult cinema, uh, underground cinema, independent cinema. He, is, he started out as a true punk rock filmmaker. Absolutely true blue punk rock. Just shooting movies on the run like we got to jump out get this scene cops are coming yes. we got to run away <laughs> they actually were arrested on the set of one of his early early movies for indecent exposure i believe it yeah uh he's known for his most infamous movie is pink flamingos yeah that's what uh, put him on the map yes uh that was his second f or his third feature length film mm -hmm. after mondo trasho which i have not seen mm -hmm. and his kind of hard to get a hold of, and Multiple Maniacs. Right. Uh, Pink Flamingos has the infamous scene where the drag queen Divine eats a piece of dog shit. Divine is... We'll, we'll let you recover from that for a second. And moving on. Divine is the is famously the drag queen who was the character model for Ursula from The Little Mermaid. Yes. If you're not familiar with John Waters, that's probably the best connection you're going to have. He also created the movie Hairspray, which was the inspiration for the musical Hairspray, mm. which was broadcast live on NBC, much to John Waters' endless amusement. <laughs> yeah. uh, to put this movie in context with John Waters' earlier career, he eventually began to move away from making NC-17 and X-rated movies that are filled with shock value, disgusting stuff, uh, to his, bad taste. Uh, in his own words, the only thing he could do that was shocking left was to make a movie without shocking material yeah. in it. He realized what most punks don't. Not that I believe John Waters would ever describe himself as a punk. Probably not. But the DIY aesthetic, the freaking out the norms aspect mm. of his earlier movies is so fucking punk rock. It's so fucking punk rock. Um, he realized that, like, okay... I'm just preaching to the choir at this point. Like, mm -hmm. they've seen the drag queen eat the dog shit. Yes. They've seen me... They've seen Edith Massey eating eggs. <laughs> like, I'm not... 
the people who are coming to a John Waters movie now aren't going to be shocked anymore. Right. So I need to shock them by doing something different. And he started to do that with his first studio movie, Polyester, mm-hmm. which received an R rating, which he was going for. He was intentionally trying to, like, maybe I can sell this to a studio. Right. Yeah, John Waters is one thing that was hammered into my head watching the behind-the-scenes material for Crybaby. John Waters has an idea of exactly what he wants, and he gets what he wants yes. when he makes a movie. After Polyester, uh, which he made with a 50s teen heartthrob Tab Hunter and <laughs> Divine, Tab Hunter and Divine went on to do a movie called Lust in the Dust, a sort of western where and John Waters would offer to direct it, okay. but John Waters will not direct something he didn't write. Mm. He he doesn't see the point of it. He doesn't like that. He want everything that he does. Yeah. Whether there might be studio interference later, but he is going in with the script he wants. He's telling. He's doing what he wants to do. Exactly. Uh, Which is sh- super respectable. Like I I look up to him a lot. In oh, that absolutely. Regard. In, in a lot of regards, to be honest. Especially the mustache. Yes. Yeah. So, the the move away from the hyper-bad taste, the gross-out stuff, the, the, the very transgressive filmmaking he was doing to yeah. the very uh, palatable yeah. experience of, especially Hairspray. Hairspray yeah. is the peak of his normalcy. Yeah, I would say this movie is more classic john waters than hairspray oh absolutely yeah absolutely because it has john waters loves the outcasts yep he loves the fringes of society which is what crybaby focuses on it's a more yeah mainstream narrative that we'll get into yes but it's yes much more than hairspray this is this felt more like a john waters movie absolutely so uh very briefly crybaby is a 1990 musical Mm mm-hmm uh, where so, mixed between a jukebox and an original musical, there yes. are both original songs and classic fifties oldies being resuscitated in this movie. Yes, and this is a true musical where Hairspray, the original film, has dance numbers, has a little bit of singing. It's all within the context of performances within the world. It's all diegetic. Yes. Whereas as Crybaby progresses. There's more of the musical aspect seeping into the world where we'll see people yep. dancing, we'll see people just out of the blue. There are some amazing, amazing musical numbers in this movie. It's a 1950s pastiche that mm-hmm. focuses on uh, conflict between the greaser characters known as the drapes yep. and the uptight, white bread, uh, stuffy squares. Right. And Crybaby, the head of the crybaby gang, one of the most respected drapes, mm-hmm. falls in love with a square named Allison, mm-hmm. and it's all about their love affair and what happens to keep them apart and yes. bring them together. Billy, would you recommend Crybaby? 110%. I would recommend Crybaby. This this get this gets my stamp of approval faster than most movies we watch. Like even some some movies like even like which we absolutely love like Deer Skin. Yes. Not everybody's going to like that movie. No. There's something in here for everybody. There is and I most... defy you to hate this movie. <laughs> and uh neither of us have many friends. <laughs> True. So when we when I post something on Facebook it doesn't get a lot of attention. Yeah. But after I saw Crybaby and I was so enamored with it and I was posting like 
Mm-hmm. Some people were coming out of the woodwork where they were like, I love Crybaby. Yeah. So this is, of the movies we do, this is probably one of the more mm-hmm. recognizable ones. And even though it is Weird. strange, yeah, there's a lot for people to latch on to. I don't know what it is about this movie that makes it so accessible, yet has what, more than most later period John Waters feels like, old John Waters to me. I think that this, I think that what it is about this movie is that it's so bloody sincere. Oh, it is. And if you know enough about John Waters, you know that there is an element to the sincerity that is a bit like tongue in cheek. Yes. But you don't necessarily need to acknowledge that in order to enjoy the movie. It's a lot like how the sixties Batman show was made with the idea that parents could laugh at it and the kids would just enjoy it as a straight superhero show. Gotcha. This is made so that if you are not in the mood to read into a piece of artistic work, this is just a straight-up love story yeah. with a very, uh, some spoilers, but a kind, uh, happy ending. Yes. Uh, but if you are willing to look into it on a, on a deeper level, this is very much... Uh, poking the audience and being like, ha, 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 get is, it? This is kind of John Waters' Blue Velvet. Yes, that's exact. yes. This is John Waters' Blue Velvet. I completely agree with that. <sighs> John Waters would have been great as the Dean Stockwell character in Blue Velvet. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> that would have been fucking amazing. All right, Frank, here's to your fuck. And I'm guessing from uh, what we've been saying, you also recommend the movie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, this is this jumped right up to probably my second favorite John Waters movie. Uh, my first is Female Trouble. Okay. This, uh, and it's not that I don't enjoy later period John Waters. I enjoy it about the same rate that I enjoy earlier John Waters, which okay. I enjoy all of his work, but some I like better than others. Naturally. Of course. Yeah, naturally. Um I enjoy Serial Mom, uh, Hairspray is fine, did not care much for Cecil Be Demented, but mm-hmm. Crybaby, it has this anarchic energy that mm. Hairspray really doesn't. Yeah, I agree. It has such wonderful casting, the mm-hmm. acting is great, uh, neither of the principals do their own singing, but the music is wonderful. Yeah. Uh, and the lip syncing is quite good, too. Oh, it's great. Yeah. And... It's fucking funny. Like, this is a laugh-out-loud, oh funny movie. And this might be one of the best performances Johnny Depp has ever given. Oh, like, it's fantastic. He's, just, he's so fucking good in this movie. It's... Johnny Depp is his own whole fucking ball of wax. He, he's a whole thing. We're not going to get into everything. <clears throat> We're not going to get into everything there is about Johnny Depp today. We don't have time. We don't have time. But uh, he might show up again on the show if we oh, talk I'm about sure. if we talk about Dead Man, Dead Man, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Oh, that's a good one too. Um, yeah, that's that one might be on the show. In the nineties, Johnny Depp was fantastic. Johnny Depp had Johnny Depp has always been interested in doing weird, off the wall things, and in the nineties, he got his way. He got yeah. to do that stuff. More recently, he's become a much more mainstream performer and has also had issues in his personal life. Again, we're not going to get into Yeah. It. He had children, and he was like, I want to make some movies for my kids. And then he's like, oh, wow, this pays a lot more right. than doing whatever weird bullshit comes along. I want to do something for my kids is the death nail of an, of an artist. Yes. Every time. Musician, movie maker, 
painter, it doesn't matter. I want to make something for my kids and the art world and the art fans go, ugh. He, he realized he can buy a lot more wine <laughs> if he makes another Mordecai and not another crybaby. Oh my god. I'm not sure Mordecai made any money. <laughs> I, I hope not. <laughs> uh, so, as I said, this film's from 1990. Mm-hmm. I, uh, Hairspray was... Hairspray was two years before this. So okay. this is a relatively short turnaround time for a yes. John Waters picture. Uh, before this, there was about a seven-year gap between polyester and Hairspray. Really? Yes. Wow. And polyester was a pretty good success for John Waters, critically mm-hmm. and uh, at the box office, well enough for an independent film. So he was sort of on top of the world at this point, like he was getting courted a little bit. That movie is the one that got, let's do it again without the burp, that movie is the one that got a Criterion release, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, as have Female Trouble and Multiple Maniacs. Nice, nice. Uh, we begin the movie with this great scene. Because this is set in the 50s, mm-hmm. we see a bunch of high school kids getting the polio vaccine. Yes, and uh, I should note that in connection with the time period, they have the old 1930s Universal Studios logo at the beginning yes. of this movie, which as a Universal horror fan made my little heart happy. Because John Waters is a film buff. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. He loves, uh, the film Cecil B. Demented is a love letter to yeah. film. Now, if you if you know anything, if you are like me before I saw Hairspray earlier this year, I didn't know, I didn't watch John Waters movies, but I knew who John Waters was because he's kind of turned himself into a public figure. Yes. His he's... job right now is to be like a do an older dude version of Paris Hilton to just kind of appear in things. I and he uh, so I just I knew him from that and I found him hilarious there. And part of the cool thing about him is that he, he was we were talking about the other day. He presents himself as this sort of foppish, silly cartoon character mm. in real life. He's actually a super smart dude. Oh, absolutely! Like a very smart, very meticulous. Art artist, yeah, and it's just he's he's a fascinating human being. He is, uh, and you're right. John Waters has not made a movie in a while. His last yeah. was a Dirty Shame, mm-hmm. uh, sometime which is in... a Dirty Shame. I've not seen it. I no, it's I... just a Dirty Shame that that was his last movie. True, yeah, but he maybe he's content not sure. making movies. Like he, he writes a lot these days. He has a few books out that I need to read. Yes, um, but uh, during the scene where we get a glimpse of all our main characters which I'll introduce as we go through the film. Mm-hmm. Eventually, Crybaby himself is dragged in by the student council. Yes. Like they're fucking MPs on a military base. <laughs> and this, we should say that this scene also serves as like a, almost like a, uh, the way that old movies used to like introduce their actors with each person getting their own like close up. And, and this yes. movie, this person, this person, this person, this, this whole scene, every single character that you meet over the course of the movie, that's a teenager gets a shot and you get a, a very quick snapshot of their personality as yes. they go through. And it's, it's very economical filmmaking. It is. And yeah. again, because John Waters came up on this very punk, very DIY way of filmmaking. Yeah. He knows how to make. He knows how to be economical and efficient. He knows what he needs to do. Yeah. Again, he's also a huge film buff. He loves uh, polyester. Is a 
homage to like fifties female melodramas. Mm-hmm. So he's he he knows what he needs to do to establish like this is the fifties, this is yes. the imagery I need to get out, and this is how I can really just set this up very quickly. Yes. Uh, Crybaby gets his shot mm-hmm. and cries a single tear. And I love these fucking tears. These fucking tears. They're so gooey and obviously <laughs> fake. <laughs> I love it because, like, so many movies do the sexy cry. The the one the one tear wonder. Yeah. Where they just have the character do, like, the one tear out of their eye. But they always, they always fuck it up. Because they always have it be a real tear. Yeah. And, and real tears, like, go fast. They go actual fast, water. Yeah. And John Waters is like, fuck your realism. I don't need that shit. Here's, like, like, have this viscous, horrible, <laughs> uh, opaque thing crawling like a slug out of John of Johnny Depp's eye. And it's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. And I wrote down, just watching the scene, I already love this and nothing's happened. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's fantastic. Uh, outside, Crybaby and his gang of drapes, who again are sort of like greasers, sort of like uh, the the lower income, the the punks, the yep. the the drapes. The drapes. This is, by the way, a real term that was used to describe the lower income greasers and the 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 dangerous kids you weren't supposed to hang out with. Drapes was a real term that was used in Baltimore when. Uh, John Waters was a child. Oh, okay. They lived next door to a drape, uh, his, which his parents told him, always told him never to go over there. But John Waters intentionally made friends with the younger sibling of, of the drape so that he could try and hang out with the drape, who did not want anything to do with this tiny child. <laughs> this tiny gay child. This just... tiny gay child, who apparently, according to what I've read, was obsessed with car accidents at the time. <laughs> He would, as a small child, John Waters would ask his parents to take him to the local uh, dump so that he could see the wrecked cars. Wow. (laughs) Which is so on brand. (laughs) I love John Waters. (laughs) Um, We should mention that John Waters is a native of Baltimore, Maryland. Good morning, Baltimore. Almost all of his movies are set in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of them are filmed in Baltimore. Yes, because he is no fake. So outside, uh, Crybaby and the Drapes encounter Wanda's mother. Yes. Wanda is the vixen of the group. Yes. She is played by Tracy Lords. We saw that she got turned on by getting her, her shot earlier. Yes. <laughs> and her mother is played by Patty Hearst. Now, Tracy Lords is infamous because she was a pornographic actress yes. who forged a birth certificate mm-hmm. stating that she was 18 when she was, in fact, 16. You have heard 14. I, I heard 14 on uh, one in some of the behind-the-scenes material. I, might, I could be very well wrong. This was not discovered until a few weeks after she was 18. Mm-hmm. So that was a problem. That was a big problem. That was a problem that she had made all these... Porn movies while she was underage. Yes. And so video stores were like scrambling to destroy them. Like they were trying to get them all back. Mm -hmm. It was a huge scandal. Like huge scandal. And, uh, and people were blaming her for this. Yeah. Uh, As women often get blamed for anything sexual. Right. Yeah. And, uh, 
it doesn't matter. It it doesn't it doesn't matter. I mean, obviously, it matters that she was underage. Yes, it doesn't matter whether she did it intentionally or she was coerced, as people try also tried to say at the time. It doesn't matter. The it point matter. is, she's a person. Leave her alone. She is. Yeah, but these kind of people, John Waters described her as a sexual terrorist. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and these are the kind of people that John loves. Her and Patty Hearst. Her yes. and Patty Hearst, which, um, and I, I'll mention that uh, not long after she turned 18, she enrolled in the Lee Strasberg Theater and Film Institute t- to take acting classes. Tracy Lords did. Tracy Lords did. Mm-hmm. And Waters auditioned her for a role because, of course, he did. Of as course, I he did. And it's so interesting. It's almost like she planned this. She was like. <laughs> I'm going to fuck on film until I turn 18. <laughs> then I'm going to get into real acting. Right, right. It's And Patty Hearst, who shows up in a couple of John Waters movies, also on the television show Pete and Pete. Is she? Uh, she, she, she has a very small cameo as, I think, someone who talks about the Mr. Softy ice cream man. Oh, okay, okay. I was hoping she was the mom with the, uh, the metal plate in her head. No, that would have been great. That would have been great. Because her character is very similar to that character in this. <laughs> yes. Uh, but Patty Hearst is famous for being, quote-unquote, kidnapped mm-hmm. by a group called the Symbionese Liberation Army. Which we know nothing about. We know nothing about. Mm-hmm. And, quote-unquote, forced to participate in at least one bank robbery. Yes. And then the scandal after she was sort of recovered, after they were arrested, was like, was she a willing participant? Was she actually kidnapped? Was she brainwashed? What's going on? So much like Tracy Lords, mm-hmm. uh, teenage criminal, huge scandal around him, huge buzz and culture and media, yes. and it's such a wonderful wink that he has yeah. Patty Hearst playing Tracy Lords' mother. It's like one sort of independent rogue teenaged uh, Hellcat. <laughs> Raising another, <laughs> yeah, and it's it's interest it, it is interesting, and and on the set, the FBI arrested Tracy Lords. They yes. uh, apparently John Waters did temporarily try and hide her from the FBI, <laughs> which would have been a bad move. I want to see I want to see a Holocaust movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, <laughs> where it's John Waters hiding Tracy Lords. Oh God, and Tracy Lords just keeps fucking in the attic. <laughs> And she just won't stop fucking. It's more Three's <laughs> Company than Diary of Anne Frank. <laughs> it's like it's a combination of the two. Because there's like there's like Nazis in the living room, and Tracy Lords is upstairs fucking, and John <laughs> John Waters is clearly gay, so he's trying to he's trying to cover that up too. Trying to cover that up too. Is this? We'll make it a whole show, a whole a whole series, a whole series. But. Uh, yeah, so they they came and they they tried to arrest Patty, not uh, not Patty Hearst, uh, Tracy, Tracy Lords, and apparently Patricia Hearst, as she prefers to be known. Sorry. Uh, well, we've both been saying it. Uh, Patricia Hearst comforted her and was like, "It's okay. We've all been arrested," <laughs> which is the best thing. <laughs> yes, they, that she could have said. They all gathered round and started telling her the times that, what they've been arrested for, and this apparently had the uh not only the effect of making Tracy Lords feel amazingly better she felt like she had found her people she had been accepted <laughs> but on the other hand also made 
uh, the actress who plays the leading lady in the film extremely uncomfortable yes. as she had never been arrested and was suddenly horrified that everyone <laughs> around her had because she was a good little girl. Yes. Um, and Wanda's mother is the school crossing guard and yes. she is she is sweet <laughs> as pie and very... Uh, she, she's, and that's we're making... the other thing. Patty Hearst in this movie is fucking hilarious. She is... She has one of my favorite lines that we'll get to later. We'll get to it. But another thing that I love about this world John Waters is crafting is Mm -hmm. the drapes are very respectful of Wanda's mother. Even though she's clearly a square, she's so wholesome, Wanda talks back to her. They're respectful of almost anyone. Yeah. The only times that they're really mean is when... They're confronted. Is when they're confronted uh, or... Or they, they, they assume that someone's going to confront them. Yes. Like, sometimes they are they are like a little bit hasty in their judgments. But most of the time, they're actually just kids yeah. that happen to dress differently. They're not even And live really, on the bad side of town. They're not even real juvenile delinquents. No. Yeah. They just like rockabilly music as opposed to white doo-wop. Right. <laughs> Oh, get ready for a lot of white doo-wop in this movie. And I love how wholesome Wanda's father is. <laughs> oh, God. He's the school bus driver. He pulls up, asks if she want, wants a ride home. They can spot license plates. <laughs> it's like, oh, I saw some, so many out-of-state license plates today. Oh, we, we skipped over what uh, Patty Hearst's line is there. Uh, where she says, like, look this way, look this way. Now cross the street. Good teenagers. Right. Good look, teenagers. They look as she directs them like they're not. Yeah. They, they'll... The joke with uh, with Tracy Lord's character. What is Tracy? Wanda. Wanda. Wanda's par- the joke with Wanda's parents is that they are so completely not only wholesome, but absolutely non-threatening in the yes. least. Like, Wanda acts like she is so abused and and fucked up yeah and her parents are the nicest people you will ever meet and again that's that's <laughs> that's that john waters insight where yeah. there's a ton of kids like that where of it's course like, uh it's it's essential and it's he know he knows how to craft characters and craft a story right he rose to prominence as this gross out this shock guy but as we were talking about he is a craftsman. He he's knows a, what he's doing. He's a very smart person. Apparently, he doesn't even like you would lo- looking at his earlier movies. If you've seen any clips of them, if you used to watch, if you watch like Matt Baum on YouTube, or if you used to watch the Cinema Snob or, or stuff like that, like people who have highlighted his videos and his movies in the past, or even if you've just seen his movies, you would think that he's someone who would like lets things happen or is yeah. very into him. apparently he shuts down improv on no he does not like he it. doesn't like that shit he wants you to stick to the fucking shit he wrote he likes rehearsal yes uh he he has said and again it goes back to what i said like he likes to come up with the script he yeah. wants his words and he knows what he wants and he sticks to what he wants and it goes back to this sort of to the all right run out and shoot it quick aspect of a lot of his earlier films where it's like we don't have time for improv if you improv the cops are going to catch us <laughs> i didn't think of it that way just say the fucking line yeah. so we can get the shot and move on you gotta get it and you gotta get it right on the first take and then get out our here our heroine allison see cries baby she sees cry baby <laughs> and sighs i'm so tired of being good <laughs> Allison is played by Amy Locaine, uh, who was actually the only teenager on set. 
Yeah. Uh, the rest of them were in their 20s, early 20s, mid 20s. Mm-hmm. I think Johnny Depp was like 26. Probably. Uh, so her, be, being a minor, her mother was on set the entire time. And later yes. her mother had to watch her Which make got, out with Johnny Depp. Yeah, it got awkward in certain scenes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and later, Amy Locaine would go on to kill somebody in a drunk driving accident. Oh. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. And then she, Matthew Broderick and... Uh, yeah, it's the Expendables of stars who... <laughs> the, the, we need to get together the, every the, actor who's killed someone... <laughs> In a car crash. I'm sorry. Uh, well, what's what's her name? Uh, fa- famous trans former Olympics athlete. Uh, Caitlyn Jenner. Caitlyn Jenner. Yes. Oh, man. Yeah. Whole whole bunch of uh, drunk drivers. She approaches cl- Crybaby, who, in my favorite incidental bit of the movie, just eats a lit match. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> he is. <laughs> It's not. It's not like there's a close up of him. It's just. It's almost in the background. Like he's. Yeah. He's centered in the shot. Yeah. But it's if you weren't like if you looked away for a moment, you would not notice that he has a lit match between his teeth Jesus that he Christ. flips into his mouth. This is just like uh, Chevy Chase in the Ghostbusters music video, flipping a lit cigarette into his mouth and eating it. But I love John Waters because again, this is like, what do tough people do? Tough people eat lit matches. <laughs> Crybaby extends an offer to Amy to hang with the drapes, yes. but her grandmother, Mrs. Vernon Williams, rolls up, and so does her kind of boyfriend, Baldwin. Baldwin is the worst. Baldwin is the worst. Baldwin uh, looks like Donald Trump Jr., and I could not get it out of my head the whole time. Granny O, as Pepper calls her, is played by Polly Bergren. Yes. Uh, who is a pretty, used to have a pretty, uh, John Waters, because he grew up in the 50s, yeah. likes to use 50s actors. A lot like David Lynch, actually. Yes. Yeah. And uh, she's she's great in this. She's she, fantastic. She brings a, a good touch of uh, a believability, I think, to the to the movie, because her, her performance is just as heightened as everyone else, but there's something very grounded about her. Absolutely. St- uh, Baldwin, I almost called him Stephen Baldwin. Um <laughs> is played by Stephen Mailer, who, yes, who, uh, looking through his credits, this was the best pull I had, uh, contributed random pedestrian voices for Red Dead 2. Good good for yeah. Stephen Mailer. Stephen Mailer and Johnny Depp hated each other. Really? On the set. There was a scene that ended up getting cut from the movie, and I do not know when it is, so I'm going to talk about it now. But there's a scene later on in the movie where... Johnny Depp and Stephen Mailer's characters got into a a kind of a, a, a comical fight, mm-hmm. which turns into a real fight, which they said cut and they wouldn't stop. <laughs> uh, John Waters had to physically come in and break them up because these two hated each other so, and were being apparently very unprofessional about it. Well, I can definitely see that. I can see... yeah. Uh, 1990 Johnny Depp not being easy to work with. I can see it, yeah. But I can I can, I can also see, like, you're a young man. Yeah. You're full of semen. <laughs> As young men are wont to do. Young, stupid, and full of semen. That is that is the phrase. <laughs> <laughs> young, stupid, and containing a multitudes of jism. <laughs> Rolls yes. off the tongue. Rolls right uh, off the tongue. But... Imagine like you're Much a young like man. Jism. You're on you're on this set and like, 
Oh, Tracy Lords is there. She's looking good. You have uh, the lady who's playing Lenora. She looks very pretty. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of pretty ladies a around. A lot of pretty ladies. Uh, and Johnny Depp's there. He's the cock of the walk. He's on 21 Jump Street. <laughs> um, like, you, you're... As a young man, you might have something to prove. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I can. And also, he gets to wear the cool clothes where you're stuck in and you have to be, this pastel nightmare. You have the entire to be the movie. square. You yeah. have to sing shaboom, 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 boom. Uh, we learned that Granny O uh, has a charm school and that they're having a talent show. At some point here, I do not know when exactly. Uh, she chides. What's the lead ca- uh, uh, character's name again? Crybaby. No, the the girl. Allison. She chides Allison for using vulgar jazz words. Yes, like such hep. as hep and cool. <laughs> uh, and we also learned that Crybaby can sing pretty good. Yes. Mrs. Vernon Williams is appalled that Crybaby might show up and Hatchet Face licks a knife and informs her that sometimes shook up old ladies get cut. Hatchet Face is a is another member of the gang. Yes. Who is a fine-looking person in real life, but ha- in this movie is made up to be absolutely hideous. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, Hatchet Face is played by Kim McGuire. Yes. At one point, Waters was working on a whole movie called Hatchet Face. Oh! Which would have been about this character and her sort of, as he describes it, multi-leveled beauty. Uh-huh. Where uh, our introduction to Hatchet Face during the polio vaccination scene yes. is some uh, drapes standing behind her and, like, sort of moving their hands along her fing- figure. Yes. And then she turns around, we see her very unique face and her yes. very uh, disastrous makeup. Yes. So she, uh, the the idea would be, like, this character has a great body, but her face. Right. And that's the only reference left to what the story would have been in the original yes. version of Hatchet Face. Uh, but that never happened. And mm-hmm. along with, I, I don't know if you got this inclination, but Hatchet Face has some very distinct makeup. Yes. Uh, it's not surprising that that part was originally written for Divine. Oh, yeah. No, I, I saw that character and I was like, this is where Divine would have been. It's either Divine either would have been this character or she would have been uh, the grand, uh, John Crybaby's grandma yes. later on in the movie, depending on what age uh, Divine would have been at the time. Uh, well, uh, th- and again, Divine passed away very suddenly because this was only two years after Hairspray. Yes. Where she played Edna Turnblad. Right. Um, so, the, and this was the first, this wasn't the first John Waters movie without Divine, but, but this was, was the, the first, first one after, after Divine, he died. After Divine, yeah. And just to clarify, if we ever bring up Divine again, Divine did not identify as a woman. It's important to make that clear. Yes, yes. Uh, he, he did consider himself a man, he considered himself a drag queen. Yes. He legally changed his name to Divine, so we won't refer to him as Glenn, his his birth name. Yes. Yeah. But uh, John Waters always calls him Divine. Yes. But uh, he did identify as a man. Yep. Um, Kim Mag- he may have changed it if he'd been alive for today and, and seen the way that things are now, but we don't know. No. So we are going to go based on what he wanted to be called when he was alive. Yes. Uh, McGuire was on the Frost Lynch television show on the air. Oh. Uh, which I would like to see at some point. I did not know that they had another show. Oh, you've never heard about On the Air? I've never heard of it's On the Air. It's their uh, show about an old-timey radio station. Sounds amazing. I 
Uh, I'm a big fan of another of a show called Remember Wenn, which is also about uh, an old fashioned radio station. That show, no, nobody ever talks about that show. That show's gone and very hard to find online. But I, I love that era and I love stuff about it. So. I'm a fan of the show News Radio, which is about oh, yeah. a, which is about a modern radio station. Yes, and by modern I mean the early nineties. <laughs> early nineties, so about as modern as Crybaby. And Kim McGuire uh, eventually left acting and went to become a, a prominent lawyer. Yes, I did hear about that. Good for Kim McGuire. Crybaby is told to stay away from Allison because yes. he's a no good Nick. He's a no good Nick. Uh, the drapes get into their car and follow Allison, Mrs. Vernon, mm-hmm. Williams, and Baldwin. In the car, the gang teases Crybaby about Allison until Pepper, Crybaby's sister, says that Allison is part square and part drape. She's a scrape. <laughs> And his sister is played by Ricky Lake. Ricky Lake, the star of Hairspray. The star of Hairspray. Who went on to be in uh, in less prominent roles in a couple other yes. John Waters movies. But it made my heart happy to not only see her in this movie, but to see her playing a badass. Yes! Uh, it's such a it's such a turn from uh, good old from Tracy, Tracy Turnblad. Turnblad. And I, I, it made it just made my heart happy. And she's a good, ch- tough lady. She is good in this movie. Uh... Ricky Lake would also go on, three years from now, would go on to be a pretty famous talk show host. Yeah. With her show running for a little over ten years. Uh, made uh, immortal in the song Pretty Fly for a White Guy. Oh, yeah? Do they name drop her? Uh, towards the end of the song, he's like, you can always go on Ricky Lake. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Crybaby punches it and pulls alongside Mrs. Vernon Williams and narrowly avoids a head-on collision as they sing to the other car. Uh, I'm... Yeah, there's a lot of lip syncing in this movie, and I I just like to point out, with uh, John Waters being very steeped in queer uh, culture in general, uh, the amount of lip syncing in this movie also kind of made me feel like this was probably like a a nod to drag culture. Possibly. I don't know what drag culture was like in 1990. Well, I know that lip syncing is goes back pretty far. I know at least by mid-90s with Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, they were doing it. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I can only put history together using movies. That's something we share. Yeah. Uh, We We don't know real life. We we only know what's captured on celluloid. Uh, We meet the parents of Milton, the final member of Crybaby's gang, and his parents are Bible thumpers protesting the immorality of Turkey Point, the drape hangout. They deliver one of my favorite lines in the whole movie, Let Jesus Christ be your gang leader. <laughs> <laughs> and oh my God, I have met uh, I have met so many people like them in my life as it, it, seeing them there. It's almost like it's even though they're heightened John Waters characters, it's all. They're very. Oh no! You they're, can s- they're very close to real life. You can see real life in yeah a lot of places in John Waters movies. Absolutely. Do you think Jesus would be a good gang leader? I think. Well, he was true. He led a band of twelve men across all all around, fucking shit up and tearing up the temples. You have. You're making a modern day, and by modern day, I mean 1950s. Okay. <laughs> yes. Retelling of the story of Christ. Am I making it in the 50s, or is this like a pastiche like Crybaby? It can be either. Okay. Whatever you feel. Okay. But you only have two choices for actors to portray Jesus. Oh, okay. Two choices. Willem Dafoe. Okay. (laughs) 
I feel like he has some experience in that area. Yeah. <laughs> and Henry Winkler. <laughs> now, Willem Dafoe has played both... Willem Dafoe has played both Jesus and a gang leader in Streets of Fire. Yes. Another great 50s pastiche. Yes. And, of course, Henry Winkler is one of the greatest drapes of all time. The Fonz. Yes. Uh, I I think I... Wow. Oh, do you think if Fonzie played Jesus, he would, like, elbow a loaf of I bread was... and two more would pop out? <laughs> I was going to say, we already know that the Fonz has, com- has, 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 has done miracles in the yeah. past. <laughs> He's, uh, so, I mean, he's he's definitely got the pedigree. I think, if only because, again, spoilers, Willem Dafoe is in this movie, and he is, as usual, incredible. Yes, for uh, the 30 seconds for he's the on 30 screen. They're some of the best 30 seconds in movie <laughs> history. Uh, I, um... I think I have to go with Defoe. Like, okay. Most of the time, I'm gonna given the choice between Defoe and another actor, I'm gonna go with Defoe. But Henry Winkler is very close. I would like to see Fonz Jesus. I'd like to see. I would like to see. See, the only and the only other reason why I chose Defoe over Henry Winkler is that I'm imagining I'm making this now, and Henry Winkler has kind of aged out of his uh, Fonzie days, True. whereas. Defoe is ageless. He's just he just turns into leather. He just <laughs> he just turns more Defoe. He turns into jerky. Yes, he does. Uh, Crybaby is accosted by Lenora, a very busty lady. Yes, uh, who really wants Crybaby's dick. Yes, I was certain that I recognized Lenora from something else, but apparently she has not been in much of anything. I so. know. I also instantly looked up Lenora because I was like, "Tell me more about this lady." <laughs> But for a different reason. Yes. <laughs> but yes, she she has she has gotten a sunburn and put a t- put tape marks on her legs so she could get the temporary non sunburn tattoo of Crybaby's name on her yeah. leg, which is such a long way to go. Yeah. <laughs> and Crybaby is not interested. Not interested As in her. Pepper at says all. he likes his girl bad, not trashy. Or not, or not easy, I think is the word. He likes his girls bad, not easy. Yeah. At the Charm School's talent show, Baldwin's doo-wop group, The Wiffles, oh, which they're never referred to on screen, I don't believe, but on the Amazon X-Ray, they refer to them as The Wiffles. Yeah, I think they, they make reference to the name The Wiffles as a, a couple of type, times. type of haircut. As a type of haircut, and also I believe that uh, Baldwin makes mention of it later on as if like he is a Wiffle. Oh, okay. And I had no idea what he was talking about until just now. Gotcha. So, it, there are definitely references of it in it. References to it in the movie, just they don't actually clarify what the fuck they're talking about. And they perform the song Shaboom. Yes. A.K.A. the song from Clue. As most yes, people know, that's it. right. Yes. Uh, Next, we cut back b- to Dra- before. Before that, there is this wonderful scene where, right before they're performing, uh, the grand uh, what what were we calling her? Graham uh, Granio. Granio. Where Granio comes up on stage and says, "We were attacked. Yes. by juvenile delinquents. Let us remember our rules about bounty. Our and- four Bs." Beauty, brains. I for, bounty uh, is bounty one of them. was the last one. Breeding, breeding. That's it. And I was like, "This is 
just this moment, and she's talking to everyone, adults and children alike, as if she's a Sunday school teacher. And I was like, this right here is the most perfect cinematic depiction of American fascism I have ever seen. Yes. It was beautiful. My favorite part of this is when she uh, calls out the drapes, one of their characteristics being women wearing tight slacks. Yes. Or hysterectomy pants. (laughs) And it cuts immediately to a a little girl in the audience who's just like looking around like, what? (laughs) Next... And here's where I started to officially fall in love with this movie. Mm-hmm. We cut back to Drape Country, and we see fucking Iggy Pop. Yes! The goddamn godfather of punk. <laughs> Should have been in fucking more John Waters movies. He's naked, he's sitting in a fucking metal wash basin. Yes. And he's scrubbing himself with a brush. His name is, his character name is Belvedere Ricketts. <laughs> And it's just it's so, so good, fucking amazing. Like, oh. if you don't know who Iggy Pop is, like I said, he is the godfather of punk. He's one of the biggest punk icons. Piled around with Bowie, mm-hmm. he did a little bit of acting. Like, he is true fucking punk. Iggy even, Pop is is the man. Even if his like eighties records were pretty poppy and well, didn't shit like he that. do the didn't he do the title track for Repo Man? He did. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yes. That if if you've listened to every episode so far, and if you haven't, where are you doing with your life? Uh, the, that's that's where you know him from. Also, uh, this is a good time to bring up the it. John Waters was trying to come up with a. John Waters likes to pitch his movies in fun ways. He likes to try and get people involved and interactive. Mm-hmm. So he was trying to come up with a way to show what a drape was to the studio heads. And the best images he could find were in a book of gay softcore pornographic <laughs> ph- t- photography that he just had because he's John Waters. And of course he did. Yeah. And. Oh, I've got this in uh, the back of my car. Yeah. He was like. Oh, no, but I can't show the book. So he had to photocopy individual images because he could show a photo of a bunch of guys in leather jackets. He could pick and choose, but if they were to... It's like going through someone's pictures on their phone. Exactly. If they were to flip through, they would have seen a lot of dick. Yeah. And one of the images in the book that was part of his inspiration for this movie was of a very buff man sitting in a metal pot, completely naked, scrubbing himself, and he had Iggy Pop... Uh, recreate that image. That's fantastic. For this movie. (laughs) Now, let me ask you something. Yes. When you find out something like that, that this... Movie was partially inspired by gay porn? No. (laughs) That this image, this fucking hilarious, fantastic, very memorable image... Yeah. ...was not created whole cloth by John Waters, but is entirely a reference to something he saw. How does that make you feel? Do you... Do you praise John Waters as someone who can uh, reappropriate something with skill, or mm-hmm. are you let down that this is not part of his own genius? Uh, I I'd say it depends on on um, on the day. There are times when stuff like that is revealed to me, and I'm like, mm, no. Yeah. Like when I I admit I was a little bit taken aback and a little bit disappointed when I found out that Alfred Hitchcock did not come up with the idea to have all of Rear Window in one room. Um, That that was someone else who said, shouldn't we all have it in one room? And he was like, I'll think about it. And then a couple days later was like, you still think we should do that? And the other guy's like, yes. And so they did it. That, I mean, that kind of takes away from the 
so-called genius of Alfred yeah. Hitchcock, the legacy, the legend. But this one did not disappoint me. This one I was just like, hey, that's great. Sure, that, yeah. That's fucking great. So I guess it depends on the day. This All this did was make me relate to John Waters more. Because, I because feel you like, also have a backseat filled with softcore gay pornography. Of course. No, but like you as an artist, you know, you look and you see people in real life who are who are interesting that you want to put into your art. And yeah. it's, it's just like, it's one of those things. He saw something and he's like, I want that, except I want to be Iggy Pop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, sure, John. Sure, I'll, uh, <laughs> how naked do you want me? To, can I take my underwear off? That's the other thing where it's Iggy Pop and generally, whenever you hear him talk, he sounds exactly like what Brad just did. In this movie, he's playing a much more exuberant, heightened John Waters character. character. So, I didn't recognize him at first, (laughs) because I was so unused to Iggy Pop being awake. Well, well, my thing was like, oh, I was watching the opening credits, I was like, hey, Iggy Pop, awesome, Willem Dafoe, awesome. Right, yeah, I saw that too, yeah. And I was like, is that Willem Dafoe? (laughs) Because right, they sort of yeah. look the same. I'm like, sure, they both have craggy faces. And they have, like, the way Iggy Pop's hair is, for lack of a better word, cut. Yeah. Um, yeah. It Iggy, sort of looks like a Willem Dafoe do. It is. It is uh, Iggy Pop has always has long hair. He had to have it cut for this movie. Yeah, sure, and then John. Would, I'll cut my hair. Don't worry about it. I'll, uh, yeah, I've cut my hair a ton of times in Michigan. Yeah, this is, <laughs> sounds exactly like that. And then in this movie... They come around the corner, see him there. He's like, "You caught me in my birthday suit, book ass naked." They're like, "What the fuck?" And here's it took me like three scenes to find it. That's Iggy Pop. Holy shit! And here's the wonderful sleight of hand that John Waters does with his movies. Mm-hmm. Is in most films you see this hillbilly character butt naked, sitting in a wash basin, scrubbing himself. Yeah. Yes, it's funny, but you're supposed to go like, I'm laughing at that person. Yeah, that guy's an idiot. John Waters is like, no, this is just funny. It doesn't yeah. matter who or what this economic station is. This is a funny image. I'm not laughing at Belvedere Ricketts. No. Belvedere Ricketts is one of the best parents in the film. Yes. <laughs> Belvedere Ricketts is uh, is is adorable. Uh, so the crybaby gang rolls up. Mm-hmm. We meet the two children Pepper already has, Susie Q and Snare Drum, who are tiny drapes. Yes, <laughs> they've been out uh, stealing hubcaps. They help. Yes. They help Belvedere steal a car. Yes. Uh, and we meet uh, crybaby's grandmother Ramona, played by Susan Tyrell, who among every character in this movie is the best character in the movie. Yes. But Grandma Tyrell is the best character in the movie. Yes. <laughs> Like, she's so fucking good. And again, it was an actress who was like, I'm sure that I've seen her in something. And I haven't. She's just... No. It, she's she great. Just, but like she's, but she is a prom, fairly prominent actress who's done a lot of work. Especially in John Waters' movies. She's yeah. been in a ton of his stuff. Iggy Pop and Ramona are married, although everyone calls Belvedere uncle. Well, they've only been married for, for 10, 10 years. years right. So I think it's a remarriage. Okay. Yeah. But we also know that Belvedere taught Crybaby how to dress. That's that was right. that was his big contribution to uh, <laughs> to Crybaby's upraising. Yeah. But Belvedere unveils this insane Confederate Flintstone. Oh God! Crib for Pepper's baby because because Pe- uh, Pepper is currently pregnant. Yes. 
uh, and it's it's made out of it's. it's it looks like it's made it, out of Flintstone bones. It like looks those. like something that would be hanging in the house from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. If Fred Flintstone uh, fought for the Confederacy, this is the cradle he would have. Now I want to ask you something. Yes, the prominence of the Confederate flag in regards to the drapes. Why is that there? Does it mean anything? Well, I don't know much about Baltimore during the 50s. Sure. I would assume that this was a prominent thing. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, he wouldn't include it. Right. We know... I know being from Pennsylvania, and you know living in Pennsylvania... Yes. ...for the past few years, yeah. that even though Pennsylvania was not part of the Confederacy, we still see a ton of Confederate flags. Yeah. So I have a feeling this is tapping into the more innocent aspect of the Confederate flag where people are like, oh, it just means I'm a rebel. Right, so that this is this is where my I I I I I obsess over things in in movies a lot, and so this one like stuck in my brain, and I couldn't, especially because it continues to be fairly prominent throughout yes. any scene that take place in this area where they all live, and I I just kept thinking about it. I have a couple of theories. One, it's Either John Waters didn't know, or was like these characters don't know its significance, and are and this is just to signify that they are rebels. I would, and it may be to, to be accurate to the real drapes that he grew up with, and also the the uh, drapes music is rockabilly, very yes. southern tinged. Uh, what are some of your other theories? My other theory is that. I that theory does not sit well with me because this movie is so heightened, it is so specific. John Waters is so specific about what he does, and he's also, as we point as I said in the beginning, not an idiot. No. Uh so he knows, I would assume, it could be a been a blind spot for him, but I would assume that he would know that the Confederate flag is a symbol of hate. Yeah, I'm and sure. Is, and is like a bad shit. Is like bad shit that you wouldn't want your main character your hero to be connected with Mm -hmm. my theory is that while the overt text of the film is that we sympathize with the drapes and that we like the drapes i think that there is a subtextual thing underneath it of the drapes not actually being rebels because not only are they not actually juvenile delinquents, mm-hmm. as we have established, like yes. they don't actually, aside from the kids stealing hubcaps and shit, they don't actually do much crime. Not that we see. Not that we see. And they don't do much, in re- aside from like some criminal history, which we'll talk about later, they're just nice kids who happen to dress differently. Yeah. The, But later on in the film, we're going to see... A lot of black people. Yes. And I think... Well, at this point in the film, we see... We are introduced to Ramona selling something to a black man, Dupree. Yes, we do see him. And then he leaves the film, and the next time we see him, he is in prison. Yes. Along with a lot of other black people and one white guy. Again, we'll get to it. Uh, And I'm wondering if the inclusion of that flag early on, and then the fact that everyone is caring about the white guy in prison where well the black people around are just sort of chorus members is commentary on the 50s because this movie is a takeoff on rebel without a cause and movies like that yes. 
talking about this issue as if it's the most important issue in the world where there are where while at the same time completely ignoring and stepping over a bunch of real shit that's actually yes. happening in the background. I'm wondering if does that make any sense or am I not expressing myself? It, it makes sense. I can't tell you that you're wrong, but I, I you might be overthinking it. I think it, it I was, do that a lot. I think it was probably a prominent part of 50s drape culture mm-hmm. in the Baltimore area. Okay. Uh I have a feeling it's because it's there's no association with the drapes and racism. No, a matter of fact, in they're, fact, they're the only people who hang out with black people in the whole movie. And uh, they like black music. Yes. Uh, they like, yeah. They uh, Later on, he's like, I'm going to sing something colored. That's right, he um, does say that. <laughs> so, like, there, there's no association with the, the drapes are racist. I think it's meant to just be this rockabilly thing where it's like, okay. we're associated with the South. Uh, that's what we're gonna do. So you do. think it's like as as innocent as the Dukes of Hazard having it on their car? I think so. Okay. I I will say this about John Waters. Mm-hmm. John Waters' portrayal of black people in his films mm-hmm. can be cringy, cannot mm-hmm. be the best. It's probably the best in Hairspray and in this. Although there's not a lot of representation in this. So you think that might just be a blind spot for him? I think it's just a blind spot for him. Like okay. he, he's he. I don't believe he hates anybody. I don't believe he has. Oh any, no, no, any prejudice. But I just think that as an aging gay man from Baltimore, he does not necessarily know how to provide a voice to the black experience. And this—that's very likely. Actually. This is really seen in Cecil B. Demented, where I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Oh, this is how we're handling our black characters. Does it get pretty awkward there? It's not the best. Oh, no. Um, but again, at that point, he was probably like yeah, 50, maybe. So after they unveil the crib, they give Crybaby his present. Yes. Which is a brand new motorcycle. And as they're doing it, they give him the speech about how he's the hope of the family now. Yes. And Johnny Depp has this steely look into the distance moment, this... Uh, Spielberg looking into the middle distance moment, <laughs> which is just so good. And they're giving him the motorcycle, and he's like, and I found myself a girl, and all this stuff. And I I wrote down, this movie needs to be an anime. Yeah. <laughs> this is, I, it feels so on brand for anime. This is where another great line gets delivered. You made me the happiest juvenile delinquent in Baltimore. Exactly. Not the world. Yeah. In Baltimore. In Baltimore, which isn't Baltimore the world in its own way. (laughs) Really, if you think about it. Allison is singing at the talent show when uh, Crybaby rolls up. Neither Depp nor Locaine did their own singing, as I mentioned before. Yep. But the singing is fucking great. I will say, uh, I wrote down another note here. Uh, with with all the music, all the all the fifties doo wop and 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 fifties inspired music in this movie, I half expected Johnny Depp and the lead actress to break into just you and I <laughs> at some point. There are the there film. are vibes of that. There definitely. are just you and I vibes. Yes, just you, just you and I and I. Crybaby invites Allison to come watch him sing at mm-hmm. Turkey Point that night. Yeah, Baldwin and Crybaby fight. And Allison runs off with Crybaby on his motorcycle. Yes, and there is a moment uh, just when, as they're about to escape that uh, I keep forgetting. Gr- uh, Granio, is that what we're calling her? Uh, Granio, Mrs. Vernon Williams. Yeah, Granio. Holly Bergen. Right. Uh, the Granio 
starts to actually kind of accept that this is what her daughter wants. Yeah. She just asks her not to get her dress dirty. Yes. So Granio might not be all bad. Maybe not. Uh, Crybaby and Allison show up at Turkey Point. The Crybaby girls give Allison a little bit of teasing yeah. before giving her a makeover. And Crybaby tells Allison that she's got it. She's got it raw. <laughs> but Depp is so good in this movie. <laughs> he was a great actor. He, he was fucking fantastic. He sells this material. With this material, you just have to commit. You have to commit to believing your character and it helps and that's what he does and it helps that at the time he was very much a teen idol himself yes and he as we know he's a fucking weirdo yes so he was having to balance this like yeah i'm the teen heartthrob i gotta talk to girls about book covers or whatever but i really want to be hanging out with hunter s thompson yes johnny depp uh once asked his agent like what am i supposed to do with all these normcore roles that i'm getting and the agents just said you you shoot the gun you fuck the girl that what what, what is there to, to know so johnny Depp actually intentionally chose to do this movie just because he was tired of having yeah. all these pretty boy roles and he thought this was the best way to make fun of all the pretty boy roles and was it was strange offered. it was different yeah uh and another thing i love about this movie is we talk about this a lot off air some of my favorite sitcoms are sitcoms where it feels like the characters who are supposed to be friends are actually friends. And here, the Crybaby Girls, they're like... Mike Shore shows and stuff like that. Exactly. Here, the Crybaby Girls, and we've seen a little bit before, are a little bit wary of Allison. They're, they're teasing a her. A little bit. But they're also immediately accepting. They're like, yeah, this is Crybaby's girl. We're going to give her a chance. Doesn't matter where she comes from. Mm-hmm. The only person who is actively hostile to her is uh, the Tootiful Woman from earlier, who is... Lenora. Lenora, who's yes. obsessed with Crybaby and sees uh, sees this newcomer as a threat. So, uh, also, I didn't know... I don't know when or why this was prompted, but I wrote down the note, Hatchet Face sends me. Because she's just so fucking great she's fucking fantastic yeah her and eyes I, are constantly slightly crossed which is just incredible and her eyeshadow is like half done but it's not a clean half it's like <laughs> it's like a jigsaw puzzle edge it's like it's 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 like a the that thing where people like just give themselves a reverse mohawk but yeah. on her eyeshadow uh it's time for crybaby to perform yes and ramona uh does the introduction and she has lipstick all over her fucking teeth. Oh my and god. It's a wonderful fucking detail. It's so good. Uh Crybaby's band is conveniently all of the Crybaby gang. Yes. Uh, Pepper's on drums. Uh Hatchaface is on sax. <laughs> um and she murders that sax. Oh, she's having so much fun. Yeah. Uh Crybaby comes out in a crazy rockabilly suit, which is like if fucking mm-hmm. Johnny Cash and David Bur- or David Byrne yes. uh, teamed up. Abs- that's exactly what it looks like. He performs what I believe is the first original song of the movie, King Crybaby. And he goes full Elvis. It's fucking great. He it's goes great. He's got the hips, he's got the knees, he's got the the arms doing the windmill. He's going full Elvis, and it's incredible. And Allison, who is now in uh, leather pants and yes. uh, like a halter top, she looks jumps like up a, and joins in. A slightly less uh, sexual version of the girl from the end of Greece. Yes. Yeah. Uh, 
The two best parts of this number are Hatchet Face's sax solo. Oh my god, so good. And at the end, Wanda comes up and just dings her triangle in Allison's <laughs> face. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Uh, I love Tracy Lords on the triangle. Like, it's, oh my god, it's, she's so good. This, um, this whole movie, and is I just, just love so her good. in this movie. It's I never, I didn't know she was in this movie, and when I saw she was in this movie, I was like, okay, yeah, that's John Waters casting. I am very impressed by the job she does. I gotta say, like the we we mentioned two actors who you would imagine is stunt casting with uh, Tracy Lords and Patty Hearst mm-hmm. or Patricia Hearst. Sorry, you could Patty. even say Hatchet Face because she was brought in for her she doesn't look as severe as hatchet face does but kim mcguire has a unique face a unique face yeah not an ugly face a unique face but like they you could say that they that was stunt casting if you wanted to but it doesn't change the fact that all three of them are fantastic they fucking hit it they hit what they're supposed to do yeah and they do great later one of my favorite scenes uh, Crybaby and Allison are making out on a blanket in a field as a thunderstorm rolls. It's the horniest picnic ever. The, in the yes. background, you can see dozens and dozens of people just rolling around on these blankets making out. Apparently, by the way, none of these extras were told that they were going to be doing this until about five minutes before they were doing it. Uh, I'm not crazy about that, <laughs> but if they rolled with it, they rolled with they it. They rolled with it. Crybaby teaches Allison... Crybaby teaches Allison how to French kiss. Yes. Uh, which I believe I read was Al, uh, Amy Locaine's uh, first time French kissing. It was. Johnny Depp had to teach her how to French kiss oh. in the actual scene. And uh, he, t- he tells her, you squiggle your tongues around and it feels real sexy. <laughs> <laughs> and she has the great line where she breathly asks, I won't get mononucleosis, will I? <laughs> And Crybaby believes in consent. He says, if you feel weird about this, we will stop. Absolutely. He tries to cop a feel, but Allison says she can't. Yes. Because she couldn't do that to her parents. Yes. Uh, She's an orphan, despite the fact that her parents took two separate planes, just in in case one crashed. That's right. So she would still have a living parent. Oh, my God. But both of them crashed. Both of them crashed, Crybaby. Both of them crashed. (laughs) And Crybaby says that's why they're that's why they're together. He's an orphan too, and orphans have special needs. <laughs> At which point she's like, "Okay, just over the shirt." And he, I love this bit. He's like, "Are you sure?" Yes. He's, yeah. Crybaby's yeah. a good boy. He's a good guy. Yeah. Um, lightning strikes a tree, and he flips out. And she's like, "No, it's just because his things are so hot. It's it's heat lightning. It's sexy. It's like it's not sexy." Electricity drives me nuts. Electricity makes me crazy. Why, Crybaby? Why? <laughs> We're and just reenacting the movie at this point. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> the delivery is so fucking great by uh, uh, Amy Locaine, where it's like, why, Cry? She's so from both of them. By bo- oh yeah, they're both great, but Amy Locaine is sort of doing this thing where her acting has an acting edge to it. You're like, <laughs> yes, you're yeah. like, okay, she is acting. She is not being natural. Oh She's yeah. very much acting. Absolutely. And we can only assume that is John Waters' intention for the character. So Absolutely. Why cry, baby? Why? Is so unnatural sounding that it's fucking amazing. Well, him too. He sounds so unnatural in the scene, and it it's it's absolutely intentional. Like this is the moment in the teenage melodrama. This is the like uh you're tearing me apart moment. Yes, this is when we see And he rips open his shirt and there's a fucking uh electric, electric chair. chair. <laughs> 
because and, he's a huge fan of the of the Wes Craven movie Shocker, and he he says that his father was the infamous alphabet bomber, and this who, shit is the funniest shit. Who bombed places in alphabetical order? Yes, first an airport, then a barber shop, a car wash, <laughs> um, and uh, he would he remembers lying in his crib and hearing his father singing the ABCs and going boom boom boom, and Allison says, "But your mother." And one of my favorite fucking lines in the movie. Oh my god. My mother tried to stop him. She couldn't even spell for Christ's sake. But they fried her too. (laughs) That is... That is such a perfect fucking John Waters line. That is so fucking funny. Oh my god. And this is only brought up once again. But this bit is so goddamn good. It's the funniest. I wrote down best funniest monologue I may have ever heard in my life. It's it's God so damn. fucking brilliant. I want to take that monologue to an audition. Like the the story of the alphabet bomber is told by Johnny Depp in this scene. Criminy sakes, put it in the museum. And this is this is these are the parts where I, I really feel like this is. Sort of the old John Waters, the punk John Waters. Oh, this through. is old John because Waters. Because this idea of like someone who blows up things in alphabetical order is such a John Waters bad taste joke. And yes. frying an illiterate woman just because is such a John <laughs> Waters joke. Like, <laughs> just frying an illiterate woman. Oh my God. Um, meanwhile, the squares attack. Yes. Uh, they vandalize cars. They set. Uh, Crybaby's new motorcycle on fire. Mm-hmm. There's a big brawl during which Lenora tells Allison that she's going to have Crybaby's baby. Yes, uh, which she, she believes. Yeah, well, she's she's a she's a a, a naive, simple yes. girl. She doesn't. Why would this woman lie? She about doesn't that? know that this chesty vixen is a liar. Right. She doesn't know that. All the drapes are rounded up by the police and taken into court, which is. Mm-hmm. My favorite fucking scene in the movie. Even though the squares are the aggressors, the uh, the drapes are blamed. Yes, for the for their crimes. And, and Crybaby defends Allison. He's like, "Don't take her." Baldwin also defends her. Yes, but this courtroom this scene, scene is, is the funniest fucking scene in the movie. Maybe the funniest fucking scene John Waters ever <laughs> ever wrote. <laughs> Milton's parents are there. So yeah. are Wanda's. Wanda's mom enthuses that Wanda was on the radio. <laughs> You're on the radio, honey. You were on the radio. <laughs> and here is the most fucking brilliant part of this movie. Yeah. This is a PG-13 movie. They're only allowed one fuck. They're only allowed one fuck. Yes. So, Wanda turns to her parents and says, get me the bleep out of here, please. They literally bleep it. Yes. And Wanda's mother turns to her husband and says... What does bleep mean? Yeah. And he says it's one of those silly nonsense words (laughs) that Wanda uses to make herself feel all grown up. And so Patricia Hearst turns to the judge and says, Your Honor, could we take Wanda the fuck home? (laughs) This is fucking brilliant. It is. I've never seen I've never seen maneuvering around the rating like this. Yeah. Where it works to enhance the joke. And this was apparently a last-minute decision. He wanted to keep all three fucks in there. Really? And he said, if there, if I ever make a director's cut, I'm taking those bleeps out. I hate them so much. Oh man! But they, but they, 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 they played with it, and they were like, "This is how we do it. We put actual bleeps in our movie, which I believe no one had ever done before, in a like a major release like this." It's so brilliant. Like it, it makes 
Patricia Hearst line so it hits so fucking so hard. Good. It's because, so good. Because uh, while I was watching, I was like, okay, it's the 50s. They're not going to say fuck. They're going to bleep it. Like, that makes sense. Right, that's funny. And then she just fucking says it. And then she fucking says it. Um, I Now I'm curious because I watched this streaming. I'm uh, The DVD release is a director's cut. Yes. So I wonder if they keep the bleeps or not. I believe that this... I am curious about that. I believe that this is the theatrical cut that we watched. Yes. We, we both watched the streaming version, I think. I believe so. Uh, I definitely did. And I believe that that is the theatrical cut from comments I heard made in the yeah, behind-the-scenes no, We watched material. the theatrical cut. Yeah. All right. Uh, there's a couple extra songs added in the director's cut. That's right, um, yes. And now my favorite fucking part. Of the mm-hmm. movie, the judge asks Hatchet Face where her parents are. That's right. Oh my and god! In they come. Her father says, "You finally did it. You put your own mother in an iron lung." And he's dragging her mother in an iron in lung a on a iron lung on a dolly into the courtroom. <laughs> and her mother, her mother, played by um, who was chain smoking? Who was chain smoking? I, I can't remember if she's played by Mink Stoll or Marion Vivian Pierce. But it's one of John Waters' regulars. Yes. Um, and they have a mirror set up so that it, so she ref- can face the judge, even though she's on her back. And the judge tells her to stop smoking, and she rasps, I pay, I pay taxes on these cigarettes, <laughs> don't I? And what do I get for these taxes? Happiness? No, I get tuberculosis. <laughs> Which is, again, another line only John Waters would write. <laughs> so fucking funny. <laughs> So, so goddamn funny. And then a wheel on the iron lung pops. It pops. And uh, the the man playing Wanda's father is named Troy Donahue. Mm-hmm. Uh, not Wanda. Uh, Hatchface's father is Troy Donahue, Donahue, who is another like 50s heartthrob. Of course he is. And he fucking gets down. He's jacking it up. And he's replacing the tire. <laughs> it gets so fucking Looney Tunes so fast. It's Again, these are perfect John Waters jokes. Yes. And I am always a sucker for an iron lung joke. And I... <laughs> Iron Lungs will never not be funny to me. We were watching a movie that I love, a weird movie that I love that you were not as much of a fan of called Dracula Pages from a Virgin's Diary. Yeah. And uh, I remember you were so bored, but you did perk up when the Iron Lung happened. I will always... <laughs> I will always be happy if an Iron Lung is present. <laughs> Big fan of Iron Lungs, our Brad. Funniest piece of medical equipment ever. <laughs> uh, the judge releases the crybaby gang to their parents. He yes. takes away Pepper's children. To the horror of Allison's grandmother. Here yes. we start to see more of her turn. Crybaby is sentenced to a juvenile detention center until he is 21. Until he is 21. And, uh, which is apparently, this and a lot of the judges' lines are ripped directly from 50s drive-in B-movies about juvenile delinquents gotcha. that John Waters grew up with. I forget the names that he mentioned in the documentary. Maybe I wrote them down, but I'm not going to look them up right now. But apparently a lot of them, especially the line, you're going to be in jail until you're 21, is straight from one of those older movies. I do want to point out how good this movie is at this point. This scene takes place about an hour into an hour and a half mm-hmm. movie. We only have about 20 minutes left. At this point, watching the movie, I was like, 
this movie's is the rest of this movie going to be a jail movie? Because I genuinely thought I'd only been sitting there for thirty minutes. It it goes by quick. The movie goes by so efficiently and so quickly that I genuinely thought I had seen only thirty minutes of movie, and I I was two thirds of the way through. It's because you're having so much fun. Yeah, it's because Time you're literally just, flies. It's because you're, you're laughing. Fun. It's because yeah. everything that you're seeing is so. Even though it's from 1990, it feels so fucking fresh. And there is no one scene in this movie that you could... Like, it is it is the theatrical cut, and he wanted to include more scenes. But of the scenes that are in the movie, in the theatrical cut, I don't think there's a single one that you could cut, and the movie would make sense. Like, it is, it is an economic movie. Like, the movie... Every scene has a purpose. There is one it. scene that I hate. Okay. And we will get to it. Okay. And we'll talk about it then. Okay. As Crybaby is taken into the detention center, Lenora tells the press, which are gathered around because Crybaby is such a famous juvenile delinquent. Such a famous juvenile delinquent. <clears throat> she tells uh, the press that she and Crybaby are engaged and that yes. she is pregnant. Yes, and she's pregnant with his with his child. And she, they ask they ask uh, Crybaby, "What's it like to be a juvenile delinquent?" He's like, "It's great. I love it." <laughs> uh Things are very rowdy inside the prison, mm-hmm. and angry prison guard Willem Dafoe... Willem Dafoe! ...is in this movie for 30 fucking seconds. 30 fucking seconds. Uh, smacks Crybaby's ass, tells him it's Betty by time, and, and threatens Crybaby with a haircut. And he also keeps he keeps asking, and he keeps uh, making the prisoners... Oh, recite sing, the uh, sing, prayer. Sing, recite the prayer, which is singing the praises of various right-wing American figures. Yes. God bless Dwight Eisenhower. Yes. God bless the draft board. Oh my God. Uh, he is. He is again in this movie for about a minute. Yeah. And that's being generous. All told, I think you were more correct when you said thirty seconds. And but he is so fucking good. He's. Every performance Defoe gives is the best performance Defoe ever has ever given. In this performance, I really felt... I don't know how far we were from Wild mm-hmm. at Heart, but I felt so much Bobby Peru in this performance. Sure, yeah. Where he's just this sort of menacing, but like, I'm really enjoying how much I'm fucking with you. In a in a different way than that, than, than, than that character, though. That character is more explicitly gross. This character is, is an apps is, is much more clean cut. Than, well, he's than, a fucking than, fascist. Right, yeah, he's a fascist. But the, uh, Apparently, I was watching some interviews from with with John Waters from when this movie was released, and a, the interviewer asked him, "How'd you get a big movie star like Willem Dafoe?" So I guess he was in a big yeah, no. deal at the time. How'd you get a big movie star like Willem Dafoe to come into your movie for thirty seconds? I said, "I asked him," <laughs> and they're like, "What mean like?" But like he didn't, and he's like, "Look." People are just afraid to ask people to do things. <laughs> I know, I, I knew Willem Dafoe. I just said, do you want to be in my movie for 30 seconds? And he was like, absolutely, I would be in your movie for 30 seconds. Same thing with Patty Hearst. No one was, she hasn't been in movies because no one's asked her to be in a movie before. I ask her because I don't care. <laughs> That's so goddamn sweet. <laughs> That's so goddamn sweet. Isn't that the best thing like, you've ever heard? Again. <laughs> John Waters is known as just being this gross, bad taste, yeah, uh, insane gay man, but he's really one of the most wholesome, <laughs> sweet people in the world where he's like, yeah. hey, you just gotta ask people. You just gotta ask people. They'll uh, do it if you I'm, ask. I'm so glad because I was wondering, like, yeah. what the fuck's Willem Dafoe doing in this movie? Yeah. Um, Everyone was apparently, and he said, "Like he he said, there's, there's nothing illegal about it. You can't get arrested. Just ask him." <laughs> um, 
Uh, Amy cries and collects her tears in a jar. <laughs> she drinks them. She drinks them later, yes. <laughs> in prison, Crybaby plays a cigar box guitar and leads the inmates in a song. And there's an incredible shot here where what every, everyone's seen the uh, the the pull focus close up where like someone is really upset and like the background uh, the moves. background seems like it's coming seems like it's coming you, close towards the faces the face is staying the same place. They did this, a similar trick here, but they did it practically instead of using playing with the zooms. What they did was they set up the camera on a dolly that had Johnny Depp's bed on it. And they, they moved the camera in to the jail with the other actors with Johnny Depp floating in front of the camera <laughs> towards them, which is apparently a trick that was used in a lot of 1950s musicals that John Waters wanted to resuscitate for this movie. The stuff in the jail is the stuff where... This is already a very heightened John Waters piece. Mm. We lose any tether to reality we yes. once had, Here's and where things start to get really we musical. We start to turn into a genuine musical, yes. Yeah. Uh, not just performance, but singing and dancing leaking into real life. Yes. And here it's still very light. It's just some choreographed hand movements with the inmates. Yes. But here's what I find... One of the things I love about John Waters mm -hmm. is clearly this period in the late 80s, early 90s, he was like... I want to make a fucking musical. Sure. I want to make a fucking... Music's such an important part of my life growing up. Like, I want to make a fucking musical. Apparently, even when he's not making a musical, he always writes his scripts to music. He really? always has a Just like James Gunn or Edgar Wright, he always has a very specific list of songs that are going to be in the movie. That's very cool. Yeah. Um, but... And I love that he was like, yeah, so I did all these weird, gross-out movies. Mm -hmm. Now I want to make a musical. Mm -hmm. and, and it's Hairspray again... The original film is not a musical. It's no. all diegetic performance, all diegetic dancing. Like it, it is, it is structured like a musical. Things will just the plot will just stop. Yes. for a song, but none of the characters are actually singing the song. They're no. all just sort of like doing very specific hokey dances from the '60s. And with Hairspray, it almost feels like because John Waters never did something so cinematically ambitious as a musical. Sure. Uh, again, like with Pink Flamingos, a lot of that was like, I'm going to set the camera down, yeah. and somehow it's still going to shake. So you think that uh, so I think he was Hairspray sort of like, was a learning curve for him? I think it was like, okay, I don't feel comfortable enough to do a legitimate musical. Yes. I need to sort of cut my teeth. And then with Crybaby... I'm still not fully comfortable with it, but this is going to be my musical because there's going to be original music, mm -hmm. even though I don't believe he helped write any of it. Uh, he he had friend friends that he knew from Baltimore help to write it, and then there were also some stu some writers at the studio hired to make sure that he wasn't fucking up their movie. Gotcha. That came in and also helped to write them as well. As Crybaby ends his song, he wipes away a tear and licks his finger. Mm -hmm. uh, we see Allison chug her jar of tears. Yes. <laughs> oh, and we we learned during the monologue about the alphabet killer, he only ever cries one tear at a time because that's yes. all he'll allow the man to have. And he has one to, tear from him. He has to do something rotten once a day. Yes. For his parents. For his parents. Uh, Allison hears on the radio about Lenora and Crybaby. 
this, and they use the clip of him saying, I love it, about being a juvenile delinquent to yes. make it seem like he's celebrating having a kid with Lenora. This drives her into the arms of Baldwin, who is on her front lawn, leading some sort of square pride rally. Exactly. They're, they're doing, much, I think it's the bunny hop yeah. down, uh, down the street. Much like... Uh, John Waters said way before he was ever president that Donald Trump was the symbol of utter evil for him. I believe And the squares are that. (laughs) Like, the squares are everything that that is. And uh, right down to the fact that they somehow think that they are the persecuted ones. Yeah. It's fucking genius. Baldwin asks Allison to the opening of Maryland's first theme park, the Enchanted Forest. (laughs) They're getting a new it's called a new thing called a theme park. Allison denounces Crybaby on live radio, which Crybaby yes. hears, and goes singing crazy. Singing crazy. And now we get probably f- my favorite musical number. No, second favorite musical yes. number. I think we both have the same favorite musical I number. I think we would have to. Which is coming. It's coming up. Um but this is still fucking great. Yes. And here we get our full first full on dance number. Yes. With uh I guess I'm doing time for being young. Yes. Which is great. And here's the weird thing. Uh-huh. Uh, let's bring this up now. Okay. Much like Hairspray, and almost more naturally than Hairspray, because this is a An musical, musical. musical. Yeah. This was also adapted into a musical, mm-hmm. but was much less successful than Hairspray. I think it ran about uh, 60 performances. Sure. And it got shut down. It still gets... it. It's still out there. You can still get the script and get it like your local community theater can put it on. If and you I want. believe it was critically well received. No, it was not. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, it was... It was. There were some critics who were like, meh. But most of the reviews that I read were like, oh, this is horseshit. Like, this is bad. That's a shame. And uh, John Waters was apparently in, at least somewhat involved in trying to turn into a musical, just as he was with Hairspray. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck happened. After reading the reviews, I'm not in a hurry to go out and listen to it. But uh, from what I understand, looking at the track listing, they didn't use any of the songs in the movie. I was just about to bring that up. Yeah. That's why I brought up the musical. They used none of the original songs, which seems fucking insane. Yes. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's a money reason. I'm sure it's a... Maybe. Uh, rights reason, but it's still fucking stupid. If you're watching the Hairspray musical, and I understand that I'm a bigger fan of it than you are, but if you're watching the Hairspray musical, uh, I don't think anyone's going to be very surprised that the pe- that the Peppermint Twist or any of the other songs that are in that movie isn't being played in that musical. But in Crybaby, these are original songs, yeah. and they're fucking tremendous. They're so good. If I if I went if I didn't know anything, if I was just a Crybaby fan, and I went to see that stage musical, and I didn't get oh, to I'd hear be pissed. that, I, and I didn't get to hear King Crybaby or, or High School Hellcats or High School Hellcats or uh, Please, Mister Jailer. Oh my god! Or if I didn't get to hear that, I would start a riot. I would be very unhappy. <laughs> I would start a riot. Next, we get my absolute least favorite scene in this movie. Really? Yes, really. Oh. When a lot... So much of the humor works for me in this movie, more so than a lot of other John Waters movies. Okay. This scene, I don't know what it is, just fell so fucking flat for me. I liked the scene. Okay, that's fine. You're allowed to. All right. You're allowed to. I allow it. God allows it. (laughs) You allow it. Good. Okay, I'm glad. As God's representative on Earth, I yes, right. It's okay. No, thank you. All right, we're at Wanda's house. Yes, and Wanda's parents have brought in a Swedish foreign exchange student. Yes, Inga. Inga, and all Inga says is "ja." Yeah. Well, Inga is 
clearly very confused yes. about where she is and is very upset. And Wanda's parents just keep talking to her very loudly and slowly in, in, and slowly in bad Swedish accents as yes. if they're going to understand her. And she's like literally dressed in a Swedish milkmaid costume with yeah. with the little Bo Peep hood and everything. And she's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like just getting more and more terrified and amped up as the scene goes on. It just fucking doesn't work for me. It's so... It feels like a... See, to me, this... A joke that could have been in a 30s movie and still wouldn't have worked then. To me, this felt like a scene from one of my favorite comedies, Better Off Dead. Like, it reminded me of, okay. of the scene where they, in, in that movie, which we might talk about on the show at some day, it's, a, it's sure. a pretty weird movie, uh, there's a scene where there's a French exchange student and they're trying to te- they're trying to impress her with their knowledge of her culture by feeding her French fries with French dressing and mm. uh, and all this stuff, and I... I I enjoyed the sort of dumb American humor while at the same time having uh, such a cultural stereotype in the scene. To me, it seemed like a totally John Waters joke. Yeah, I I suppose. It just it doesn't work for me. And the first time I watched this movie, mm-hmm. I feel like there were more bits of humor that fell really flat. Mm-hmm. While most of it worked for me, some of it fell super flat. Second time watching it, even though I was taking notes, which usually decreases the my enjoyment. enjoyment. Yeah, I found there were less instances where the humor fell flat for me, oh. but I still fucking hated this scene. The one thing that I'm not the biggest fan of in the scene, because it seems to go against the established characters uh, as the movie has presented them so far, is that we learn that Inga is an exchange... For Wanda. Yes, they Wanda's parents are sending her to Sweden. Sending her to Sweden to spend time with Inga's parents while they look after Inga. And this seems like something that any of the other parental characters would do in the movie. Wanda's parents have are always so wholesome and so sweet that it seems like an unnecessarily cruel thing. See, that didn't bother me because the way they do it, where it's like, okay, well, we're taking in someone else, and she'll still have a home. She'll get to visit Sweden. Sure. She'll have a lot of fun. Like, so you that, think it's more of a thoughtless thing than a I? Than I think a it was just thing. more of like they didn't see it from her perspective, where it's like, okay. we don't know how else to discipline our daughter, so we're going to send her on a Swedish vacation. <laughs> But Wanda escapes from her house yes. and flags down a ride with a character we met earlier, Tojo, yes. Tojo, uh, the local pornographer. The local pornographer. And this was part of a long-running subplot that got cut out of the movie. Okay. Where Wanda was being kind of explo- exploited by Tojo. Well, we do and see used, her used in her in his photos. Okay. Earlier when we meet him, he does accost Wanda and is like, "Hey, you want to model for me?" There was more of that. Gotcha. There was, there was like a scene that I saw a bit of in one of the documentaries where she's like being made to pose in a giant champagne glass. Gotcha. Which is weird that that's the subplot that they chose to give Tracy Lords, <laughs> but uh, seems seems a little bit on ta- the nose. On the nose, a little tasteless, but I guess it is John Waters, so. In the jail, Crybaby seems to be in solitary, but he's also with another person, Dupree. Yeah, he's with Dupree, the guy who bought uh, 
bought drugs off of his grandma earlier. Did he buy drugs? I thought he was buying like parts or something. Was it? I thought it was drugs. I'm not sure. Crybaby gets a teardrop tattoo. Yes. So he doesn't have to cry anymore. So he doesn't have to cry anymore. And I wonder if in 1990, not that John Waters would have known this, but I wonder if the teardrop prison tattoo meant the the same same thing thing it does now. Because if it does, if it did, that would be a hilarious joke. Yes. Uh, conveniently in this cell, there's a loose manhole cover down which, <laughs> down which crybaby escapes. Yes. Hatchet face and Milton steal a helicopter. Yes. Uh, hatchet face takes over the controls and a great moment for it's like, everyone gets their time to shine. Everyone gets yes. their time to be tough. Uh, they fly it into the prison yard announcing that this is a jailbreak. Yeah. And the guards open fire and Hatchet Face and Milton run through the halls as Crybaby navigates the sewers. Yes. And so they, they miss each other. Cry and, and Hatchet Face, there's a great moment where the prisoners are enjoying a 3D movie. Which is not, for the 1950s, not shown how a 3D movie would be. Oh, uh, okay. It does not look like, it does not have like the multiple outlines oh, that yeah. a 3D movie because would. Because we, as the audience, are not wearing 3D glasses, so they just show it as like a movie with everyone yeah. wearing 3D glasses in the audience. And Hatchet Face rips through the, <laughs> the film screen, and the whole audience goes, <laughs> Freaks out, which is a great gag. Yeah. And, but in the end... They have they can't find Crybaby, so they have to run off. They jump in the back of a garbage truck, and, Cry and Crybaby Baby comes out of the tunnels into the prison barber shop. He's led to the prison barber shop by a rat of all things, and the rat laughs at him. <laughs> uh, Pepper, Belvedere, and Ramona infiltrate the orphanage where Pepper's kids are being held, and this orphanage is something out of the Twilight it's Zone. It's so fucking funny. Again, this is it's... John Waters crazy vision yes all the orphans are on display in like glass display cases (laughs) being shown doing chores and they're obviously looking for pepper's children so like we're looking for like a boy and a girl yeah one of them is literally holding a sign saying i'm cute (laughs) (laughs) they find uh snare drum and Susie q dressed up as conjoined twins yes and they bust them out and free all the fucking children. All of the children. And there's a great shot of the children running out of the orphanage and Iggy pops behind them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, during the getaway, they let snare drum drive and we get this yes. exchange that I love. Ramona says, come on, we got to get into it, get to the enchanted forest, turn left. And Iggy pop goes, oh hell, turn right. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Just, You're right. just, uh, yeah, just yeah. this, just this pointless contrarianism was like, yeah. oh hell, turn right. Is there anything down there? I don't think. Okay, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> um, at the theme park, uh, Allison and Wiffles t- perform the most obnoxious rendition of Mr. Sandman I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, they clearly have not. Uh, they've either not rehearsed or or the Wiffles have rehearsed. They know what they're doing, but no one told Allison because they're constantly yeah, they're in constantly her space, interrupting her, exactly changing the words on her. She's constant, and she's also very distracted because some shit is going down in the audience. Drapes keep infiltrating. She keeps noticing different people, different members of the drapes, and her grandma. Puts a skull in the middle of her corsage. <laughs> Grandma's punk! Grandma's uh, a drape now! 
like you said, as she sings, she sees various drapes and mascot costumes. Uh, her grandmother has made a hard turn. Yeah. She is now on the side of the drapes. The yes. judge from the trial is there. Mm-hmm. After the song, Belvedere fucking swings from a rope, wearing a bunny costume. Yeah. Snatches up Allison. Allison decides, with her grandmother's blessing, to return to the side of the drapes. And she finds out, we find out, Lenora has had her baby. It is a fake baby. Yes. It's a baby doll. Well, no, what's great is, like, uh, she she's now uh, one of the squares. And she's become a square because one of the consistent themes in John Waters' films, if you are a bad person, what makes you bad is that you are fake. You don't care who you are. You don't care what yes. side you're on. You switch sides, whatever's convenient for you. But she, she sees Amy and she's like, I had my baby and there's a little girl next to her with a baby doll. She grabs the baby doll and's like, here it is. Oh, I didn't even notice that she stole that. Yeah. That's great. Um, but um, Allison sings a fucking great song. This is a great we, number. We hard cut to Allison and all the drapes and and Gram, and, and Granio outside the prison singing the best thing ever. Uh, oh, this was your favorite song? This is my favorite song. My favorite was High School Hellcats. Oh, High School Hellcats is good too. But this but is, this is fucking song. great. Yeah. Uh, please, Mr. Jailer, let my please, baby Mr. go. Please, Mr. Jailer, let my baby go. The judge is so moved that he so pardons moved. Crybaby. By the way, this movie has more dark-skinned people than In the Heights. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, most of the prison is is, is black people. Just, yes. Just Crybaby's like one of the only white people in there. This... What puts this scene over the top for me, as as good as the as the last song is, what puts the scene over the top for me is uh, Crybaby waves off the barber as he's about to go to the <laughs> and he goes in to the visitor center. And, oh yeah, and all the all the ladies, including Granio, are trying to sexy dance with these these men who just oh they just want their women so bad. And again, on the other side of the black glass, man, nineteen fifties, except for with, Crybaby, except for Crybaby, and the and they all they're just like oh they're so hot they just break the glass. Oh, no, Crybaby throws the uh, the connecting telephone at the glass. Yes. and shatters all the panes. It shatters all the panes, and they come through. And he he dips he dips his lady and, and kisses her just as the judge comes in to deliver the pardon. And it's just it's so it's so amazing. And it's again, so out of this world. It's not. It seems like an obvious joke to me. That mm-hmm. crybaby's big fear would be losing his hair. Yes, like that's that's the ultimate punishment in prison, aside from being away from Allison. Yeah, is it's to lose the hair, lo- getting a whiffle cut, getting a whiffle cut, as, as Willem Dafoe, as Willem calls Dafoe it. puts it. Um, but that's still fucking great. That's mm-hmm. the obvious choice. It's obvious for a reason. It's perfect for the character. It's perfect for the tone of the movie. What's not so obvious is that the film treats the idea of him getting his hair cut. Like it's an execution. Yes. Like it's that is treated so like any other movie. If you if let's say, God forbid, this movie was being made by somebody else and Crybaby was played by Will Ferrell, like oh. uh, like there's an alternate universe where it happened. I guess. And 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 you would have him come in and it'd be like, and we're gonna cut your hair. No. Like every the whole yeah, thing. Yeah. No. Would be you could goofy and shitty. You could do it so much worse. And this movie. He says, and we're going to cut your hair. It's like, Ugh. well, here's what, here's like he, he, he just looks, Ugh. and like, it's treated like this is the worst thing 
that could ever happen. But the the smart thing the movie doesn't do is it doesn't hammer on it. No. It's 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 brought up by Willem Dafoe. Yeah. And it comes back up when he ends up in the barbershop. Yes. But otherwise it's not like it's not like, hey, crybaby, they're gonna cut your hair. It's yeah. just this sort of thing that's like yeah, this is a bad thing that's going to happen to Crybaby if he doesn't get out. And it's it's it goes back to what you were saying about the metal the metal tub scene with with Iggy, Iggy Pop. The joke is not ever that Crybaby is stupid yeah. or that Crybaby is dumb or silly or anything. The joke is this is serious. Yes. <laughs> the joke is him losing his hair is tantamount to him losing his life. It's like Nicolas Cage losing his snakeskin jacket. I was just about to say! <laughs> it's, it's the exact same thing. Uh, Crybaby in, in this movie is the is the water's equivalent of... Uh, Sailor. Of Sailor. Sailor in, Ripley. In, in, in fucking Wild at Heart. That's exactly correct. Grandma and the Judge fall in love. Of course But there's they do. still tension between the squares and drapes. And yes. this is illustrated... By the brilliant visual storyteller John Waters, by having barbed wire spring up in the middle of the parking lot of the of the <laughs> juvenile detention center, and uh, fuck it, what's what's what we learned that Baldwin's grandfather, Baldwin's grandfather, pulled the switch on Crybaby's father, and, and they laugh about it every Christmas. Every Christmas they laugh about it, as if he couldn't be any more evil <laughs> than and, he already was. And here's uh, a moment that was really important to me mm-hmm. for just the John Watersness of this all. Sure. Hatchet face, I think she pulls out her knife and says she wants to punch his face in. Yes. But CB tells her she's beautiful and he'll handle it. Yeah. Other people comment on Hatchet Face's appearance. Yes. None of the drapes ever do. The drapes no. accept her for who she is. Yeah. I believe when Crybaby tells her she's beautiful. He really believes it. Of course he does. It's not flattery. I believe Crybaby believes that Hatchet Face is beautiful. Right. What What does she say in the courtroom scene earlier when, when the judge says, "It's I'm sorry about your face. It's just there's nothing, nothing wrong, wrong with, with my, my face. face. I have character. That's what it is. Yes, that's exact. And that's, yeah, that is, that is carried out by the movie. And that's, John Waters is about punching up and punching sideways to people who can take the joke. Mm-hmm. But he's always like he never he fosters his people just yes. like the band name just like the just like the band name uh, all the other kids with the pumped up kicks better run better run faster than his crybaby exactly. crybaby challenges Baldwin to a game of chicken but with a twist yeah they'll be on top of the car Ooh. such a ridiculous twist ridiculous uh, and the judge is like is that legal <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> That's a fucking Mel Brooks line. That's a fucking Mel Brooks line. Next, we get the my favorite song in the movie, High School Hellcat. Okay. In Crybaby's car, Belvedere's driving, Pepper is in labor, Ramona's yes. in the back seat with her, delivering this baby in seconds. Yeah, the, the, during this song, the baby is delivered. <laughs> yes. There is no, oh no, we gotta call this off because she's pregnant, we gotta get her to a hospital. No, she just, she, drapes know how to get shit done. She yes. just delivers the baby. She's She's got it handled. Oh, you wouldn't want a, a drape baby delivered to anything other than your flame-painted hot rod. Oh, absolutely. That's the only place to do it. In Baldwin's car, they have a duct abducted Mrs. Vernon Williams and she is in the back seat. Yes. Um, Pepper gives birth. Both cars are still just driving towards each other. As she gives birth, she she looks out the window and waves her baby at her lover and her lover holds up a sign saying, marry me. And she's like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
So I'm glad that that was that was resolved. Uh, Baldwin's car ends up turning first, running into a chicken coop. Of course. Uh, Alice oh, I just realized that joke, running into a chicken coop. Oh, they lost that's chi- they clever. Lo- they're chickens, so they end up in the chicken coop. Allison is on a motorcycle. She gets launched forward. Uh, we see... Flies through the air in what the actress said was the most uncomfortable shot to do in the movie. I'm sure she was in some sort of rig that did yeah. not feel great. It was also raining that day. Uh, we get a shot of all of our hero characters with single tears running down their cheeks. Every single one of them with a viscous slug tear crawling down their face. Allison lands in Crybaby's arms. They both turn to the camera. Dual tears Dual running tears. out of both eyes. Yeah. The end. And over the credits it plays I'm Such a Bad Boy, a song that I had to sing in my first college music, uh, first college play. <laughs> so that was a weird a bit of nostalgic flash in my head uh, at the end of the movie. Uh, and that is Crybaby. Um, is there anything else you'd like to I'm say? I'm looking through the behind the scenes notes. I had to see if there's anything I didn't actually cover. Uh during the again because Johnny Depp and the guy playing Baldwin hated each other so much, uh, in that last scene where he's there's a he he says something he's talking about my grandfather killed your 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 dad, uh, during that bit, crybaby spits on the ground. In reality, he spat on the actor. Oh yeah, not great, <laughs> not great, not great, Johnny Depp, not great. Grand, he was a young man. Yes, he was. I think we already told the story about Patricia Hearst telling Tracy Lords. Yes. Well, we've all been arrested, honey. Um, and apparently that is also one of the questions John Waters asks every actor who he works with when he meets with them for the first time during their audition or whatever, meeting with them. He's like, so have you ever been arrested? What's that story? <laughs> oh, man. This is very John Waters. I think that's all that I had. But Well... What a what a tremendous film. It's so fucking good. What a tremendously and fun movie. I have, in the past couple of years, been guiding you on a Lynch journey. Yes. Now we are going to be in our Waters journey. I can't wait. These I've I've so I've like I said, I said seen hairspray. I've seen this. These are definitely the kiddie pool end of the thing. Yes. Uh but I, I can't wait to get into more of his weird stuff because if, if this is any indication, because this is definitely weirder than hairspray. Yes. If this is any indication, I'm I'm ready for it. Like I'm ready for it. I think you will enjoy it up to a point. <laughs> and I think sure. even once we reach that point, yeah. you have gotten to the place where you can appreciate what he is doing. Even mm-hmm. if you do not enjoy the images you are being shown. Sure. I will say uh, one warning that I've heard said to other... Again, I am uh, an almost virgin when it comes to John Waters' films, as I'm sure he would prefer I refer to myself. Uh, so uh, I don't know for a fact, but I know from what other people have told me, John Waters, as we said, is an old man now. Yes. He has made movies... He was making movies that were designed to piss people off. Yes. And we've already talked about Divine Eating Shit. Beyond that, there are sometimes things that happen in his movies that if you are offended by... uh, That if you are easily offended by political things and, 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 and things, which I can often be... There might be some things that have not aged well, even by John Waters' standards. Yes, you're going to find things in John Waters' earlier movies that are potentially transphobic, ableist. Uh, 
and that is something that you sh I'm, I'm not bringing it up to discredit it. I'm just saying that if you are all hyped up after listening to this, if you went out after the intro and you watched Crybaby, you came back, just so you know, uh, be careful. Like, yes. This is, he's not for everyone. No, especially his earlier stuff. I don't even know if he's for me yet. Uh, no, not I, yet. All I know is I have liked what I've seen so far. But an important thing, and... Again, I've never met the man. I don't know him personally. Sure. But with John Waters, nothing to me ever feels malicious. No. It seems like he's not trying to punch down ever. He's punching sideways. He's like, I'm a gay man. I'm ridiculous. Yep. I'm going to tell these ridiculous gross-out stories about other ridiculous people. Again, I feel it, like John Waters' main thing yeah. is... Especially with his earlier films, mm -hmm. saying to normal society, here's what you think we are. Yeah. Okay, that's what I'm going to show you. Sure. And it goes back to what we were saying about uh, Me and My Dick, one of our earlier episodes. There are bits in that which we both found on problematic. Yes. But we both agreed that we did not believe that there was anything intentionally malicious or uh, or intentionally punching down about mm -hmm. it. They just thought that they were making relatable jokes. Yes. And uh, they were a bunch of kids. They were fucking around. That's a similar vibe that you get off of John Waters where he, even as an old man, is uh, is still a kid at heart. Yeah. And is just trying to, to fuck around and enjoy himself. So, uh, could he learn? Absolutely, we can all learn. But at the same time, just so you know, that is out there. And I will say this, and we will almost certainly do other John Waters movies in the future. Almost certainly. Um, if you watch something and are offended, you have every right to be offended. Absolutely. Billy and I are straight white men. <laughs> yeah. It is hard to offend us. You are more sensitive to things than I am. I'm a very sensitive boy. I'm a soft boy is what we call ourselves. But for me, I don't get offended by a lot. Mm -hmm. But if you do, if you are more affected by something, you have every right to be. Absolutely. Uh, so never think that we are saying, like, it's okay. You don't. You shouldn't be offended. Feel how you feel. Sure. If, now, you, think, if you think Crybaby is a racist movie because of the issues that we talked about with the, the sort of sidelining of the black characters and the, uh, the, the Confederate, Confederate flags flag. being prominently displayed, let us know. Send us a message us on Twitter or something. Let, say, tell us what you thought of the movie. Uh, Billy, do you know what you want to talk about next week? Yeah, next week uh, we're going to be pandering a little bit. We're going to be talking about a very recent, uh, what I consider to be an art house film. Okay. You, could, you could call it performance art or, or whatever you have. Uh, but I thought it was is a very recent development in weird cinema that it would be silly of us not to talk about since we have a whole podcast talking about weird cinema. We're going to be talking about Bo Burnham's Inside. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I think the week after that, we'll try to get Spring back on. Sweet. To talk about the feel-good horse betting movie, uh, Let It Ride. <laughs> <laughs> Let It Ride. All right. Paid uh, that. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. All right. Save that shit.